0: This is the Member Maker podcast presented by Memberspace. Each episode, we'll be interviewing entrepreneurs focused on building an audience and growing their membership business. Our guest today is James Adams, founder of Visual Media Church, who provide media content for churches. Hi, James. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So we'll just jump right into it. We wanted to begin with you just kind of going through quickly your your origin story, um, you know, and w- what is Visual Media Church?
1: Well, Visual Media Church is um, basically a subscription website um, that provides content um, for churches. Um, basically, there, there's like thousands of churches and almost all of them do um, some sort of worship music in which they have um, stage screens that display not only lyrics but they also display you know images imagery video all kinds of different things like that and that's kind of the media that we provide um to them in addition we also provide some stock video stock photos and um some templated items and you know photoshop and premiere and after effects um, the adobe suite stuff um and that's what um, we provide them so basically they log on kind of whenever they want and they have um full access to the entire library and they can kind of download content that works for like works for them Um, and you know kind of how we started is um uh basically i was i got hired to do some contract work for someone um who is now now my biggest competitor but at the time he hired me to do um, some stuff that he had never done before. Um, He was purely just doing graphical background type stuff, just like, you know, particle sims and things like that. And he hired me to film this pack and create this pack for him. Um, and I created this pack for him and it was really good. And it was actually ended up being his biggest seller um, ever on his site. And so I went to him and I said, Hey, like here, I've got this idea. Um, I'm thinking that, you know, some of these churches would love to have like oceans and mountains and, you know, just outside real stuff, as opposed to you know After Effects simulation type stuff, and I mean the gist of the conversation went with went basically like he said, no, no one's going to use that. I don't think it's a good idea. And I said, all right, cool. Uh, then you won't mind if I do it. And he was like, yeah, it's really hard to do. You know, just be aware it's not really easy to do, and I don't know necessarily if you. We'll be able to pull it off and maybe it might not be your skill set. It's just, you know, it's a lot of roadblocks. He was, he was basically just telling me all the reasons why it, it wasn't going to work. So, you know, I kind of went ahead and did it. <laughs> so, um, so it was different. It's different than what he, what he has always done. Um, and uh, it, it turns out that people really, really, really wanted that kind of stuff. It's interesting
0: because it, it sounds like he was you know, really poo-pooing the idea right from the jump. Um, so it sounds like he had sort of tried it before. It just didn't work.
1: Yeah, I think, I think part of it was he had, um, he hadn't really published anything along those lines. I think maybe he had investigated it, but the hard part about doing the, the live video type stuff, as opposed to the graphics is the cost to produce it, um, is a lot, is a lot higher, right? Like you can create a whole bunch of stuff, um, you know, sitting in your office, um, you could create a whole pack just sitting there and kind of being creative. And then to go do like the kind of stuff the visual media church is doing, you have to like, you know, hop on a plane or hop in the car. You have to drive for hours. You have to travel long distances. And then once you get there, it's still not easy. Like you're, you know, you're relying on weather, you're relying on camera gear, not malfunctioning. You're relying on skill, like being able to, you know, capture it properly. So there's a lot more variables in it. And I think, that was all the roadblocks he was seeing. Um, but I, you know, I've come from a background of traveling and filming and shooting, um, video, um, for lots of different companies. So it was right in my wheelhouse and I knew how to travel cheaply and affordably. So like I was thinking of all the ways I could cut costs to make it affordable. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so, all right. So
0: we have the origin, we have the, we have the, the rough idea of, you know, what visual media church is. Um, so I think what a lot of listeners would be inter- interested in uh, aside from that is, you know, how did you get this initial traction? So how did you go from the part you just described of, okay, here's the thing I want to try. Um, I don't care if this other guy doesn't think it's a good idea. I'm going to try it anyway. How did you go from that step to, okay, uh, let, let's build up an actual audience that we can sell this to. What, what was the step-by-step there?
1: The step by step, it's really hard to define, but like, because I mean, when I first started, um, the product wasn't very good and the website wasn't very good. <laughs> like it was a it was a lot of tri- a trial and error, and I mean, it was totally um, a side hustle for me. Um, I had a full time job, and so you know, when I was done my full time job, I was coming home, sitting on the computer, and kind of building it. And um, I mean, the biggest thing for traction was like using as much social media um, as possible to get it in front of the people that would be interested.
0: Which social media specifically?
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing that I found for me was um, in the world of churches, um, it was Facebook groups. Um, A lot of people that are working at churches, um, they have small budgets, and they are asked to do a lot more than what their job description is. And so that type of person is always... You know, on Facebook, looking for advice and you know how tos. I mean, a lot of these communications people that are my customers, um, they're 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 asked to be a marketing person. They're asked to be a you know run the software on a Sunday morning to to you you know to make this all happen. They're asked to be a photographer and a video person. So they're they're asked to do a lot, um, and so they tend to kind of. Congregate in these in these Facebook groups to ask for advice and, and look for you know what's going to make my life a little bit easier and also make it look like to whoever their bosses that they're doing a great job. So there, there's a lot of discussion going on on Facebook, and then secondarily, there's people. Instagram is a great place to show off your work and you know give the idea of what it will look like. And so um, I, I used Instagram at first just to kind of um post even just at the few churches that had started using my stuff to kind of show what it looked like to be a little different to have, you know, you know, giant mountain time lapse behind as opposed to something else. Right.
0: So, okay. So, uh, the Instagram side of it, uh, that makes sense. That's pretty clear. When you say Facebook groups, uh, does that mean, what does that mean? Like, so when someone posts a question that you had an answer to that your product uh, could, could help them with, is that when you posted, or did you post in general just to be helpful? Like, walk me through the details there.
1: So the biggest thing was, I mean, it was a, it was definitely a learning process for me, but I like learning not to like spam a group with just, you know, shameless advertising, because that's most, most groups wouldn't allow that. So whenever it was basically just kind of having to grind it out a little bit, just checking Facebook every half hour to see if anyone had asked, hey, does anyone have any recommendations for like motion graphics or backgrounds? And then, you know, kind of quickly getting your link in there and saying, hey, I've got some great stuff. Go check it out. It was definitely a grind to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, And then what I also did is I monitored those groups to see who was the most active. Like who were the people that just seemed to be on there 5, 10, 15 times a day. And then I would um, reach out to them individually and just say, hey, here's this new thing. I started Visual Media Church. Um, I'd love for you to try it out. And here's a link um, for, you know, a free month of access, or here's, you know, five packs for free. I would love for you to just download them, try them. If you love them, would you please let other people know about it? And just, I I gave away a lot of free stuff to try to get a little bit of like that organic, like ball rolling, as opposed to me having to sit on my computer on Facebook all day long.
0: Yeah, that's actually very interesting. So you kind of went after the influencers of each Facebook group to get them on board and show them what you got.
1: Absolutely. And it wasn't, it wasn't even anything to do with like what kind of church they came from or how big or how much money. it wasn't anything to do with that. It was just purely the people that were the most active. Because in my mind, I was looking for people that were going to just at least have an opinion, right? Because when no one knows about you, that's the hardest thing. People can look at a name and kind of shrug it off and, and not really um, engage with it at all. So I wanted people that were just constantly doing the hard work for me, basically.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's interesting. So the Facebook and Instagram, that was really the, the beginning of how you started to get an audience and get people to even know about you or that you exist. Um, and, and is that still the primary driver of marketing right now? Or have you kind of shifted to other things?
1: Um, absolutely. Like, So when I, when I first started um, just about two years ago, um, basically like i was making no money from it like you know i think the first month that the website was live I, it brought in about i think it was like 150 dollars us like <laughs> it was nothing big so i was not paying for any advertising um i wasn't doing any facebook ads instagram ads and so that's kind of been a little bit of a philosophy that i've kept um because i find that um like the product um on the website right now, it's $25 a month, which is really um, affordable for, um, for churches. Like if you look at churches, um, usually like a lot of churches don't have a lot of money, but $300 a year is not a huge expense to build into any budget. So people, um, I find at least my core customers are very grateful and they're very like, they're promoters. Like they will promote, um, just because they love it. And they love the idea that this is something that they get a lot of value for, for very little money in their eyes. And so I've tried to leverage that as much as possible, um, as often as possible too. like getting people to promote for you um, as opposed to having to buy expensive, you know, Facebook, Google, and Instagram ads, um, has really just always been, uh, the target. So even this week, we just launched some new Christmas stuff for churches and, um, the the thing I put out there on Facebook was just you know for the first twenty five people that posted in another Facebook group for us we'll give it to you for free. So um, I was really surprised with the response because I had a lot of um, people from South America and down in Mexico posting it in um, Spanish groups that I had no idea even existed, and so one of the requirements was like, take a screenshot of the post and the group you put it in. And I'm, I'm seeing these groups of like 20,000 um, people plus in, on Facebook and in a Spanish church group that I had no idea even existed because I don't speak Spanish. So I would never seek that out. But like that right there is worth hundreds of dollars worth of advertising. You know, I would gladly give that person um, you know, a $25 pack for free for doing that for me.
0: Yeah, we, we do uh we kind of a similar uh, not not so much the social media but a similar approach in member space where like we, we try to find really good support and you know just have a good product in general and and you get a lot of you know uh, evangelical if you will uh, users and customers who who just you know love you and, and love what you love what you provide love what you do and they and they're just they go out of their way to tell their people I, I don't have to pay them anything we don't even give them necessarily any money it, it's just they just they just like it so much. Uh, And and it makes a huge difference to have like a bunch of basically salespeople uh, just preaching about you uh, to everyone uh, as opposed to having to pay for ads. It's it's a lot more cost effective. And and I think it has a bigger impact when a friend tells you to try something as opposed to an ad telling you to try something.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, um, there's lots of, there are lots of competitors in my space. Um, And what I learned when I was initially doing my research before launching was um, they operated like big companies. And I say that like anyone's ever dealt with, you know, the cable provider or a nerd provider, it's so hard to get a hold of someone. And when you do, they're always on the defensive. And like you you know what I mean? Like it's always just difficult dealing with them. And I took that and like one of the things that um, me and the guys that work doing Visual Media Church here is that we always just try to be as gracious as possible. So especially in the first 6 months of launching there was we had lots of issues that we were trying to work out whether it be server issues or just things not working right and so one of the mottos that we always did if someone you know messaged in and complained that something didn't work we would one apologize two fix it right away and then three give them the newest thing that we had just released for free as a you know as an apology for the error because hardly ever do you get that right from anybody so it's just it's about having like a positive attitude and a gracious attitude at all times. And that um really just built up um um a lot of really loyal people to us. Like we have a lot of people that kind of, you know, are always out there, you know, spreading what we do uh, for free because they're just like, Hey, these are great guys. They doing they're doing a great job. Like I just wanna support them. And so that's it's that's all about the attitude behind it as well. It's not just making a great product and just making an awesome website. It's also like Treating people well,
0: yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, so let let's drill down in, into your your pricing a little bit. So I, I know I'm on your website. I know you mentioned uh, you basically offer a single site license uh, for access to everything for twenty five dollars a month, or you can pay annually three hundred a year. So it's a nice nice little discount. Um, how did you arrive at that price? Is that where you started, or kind of give me the journey there in your pricing?
1: Um, the journey and the pricing, I mean, we started actually at $10 a month, um, uh, purely just to be cheaper than every, everybody else. Um, because at the time when, when we first launched, I mean, costs were a lot lower and, um, and it was just, it seemed like an all right, it seemed like an all right number. And the goal, um, at first was not like thinking about the bottom line. It was purely about like, what's a number that seems really reasonable. Um, and let's forget about the margins or anything like that. Let's just try to bring people through the door. And I mean, when you launch a product like this and you, like, they open up your library and they see you've done five things, like you have very little credibility. So it's hard to kind of get to the price point. Um, I always knew that the price point would be around 20 to 25. Um, and at the time, um, a lot of the competitors were around 15 and the goal for this was to be more of a premium, um, we had so many competitors who were doing the graphics backgrounds and some of them are big, some of them are small, but we knew that this type of thing was more of a premium product because it's really hard to copy and it's really hard to duplicate. Um, Well, at least a lot harder than what our competitors are doing. And so after the first year is when we move the pricing up to $25 a month for any new members coming on. But we, what we also did was we kept, um, we basically grandfathered in all the old accounts. So we messaged them all and just said, for as long as you stay with us, we'll keep on charging you the $10 a month um, and you still have access to everything on the site. Um, and you get to keep that pricing for as long as you don't cancel and um, try to come back later a different time. So that, that was kind of the strategy behind it. And I mean, $25 a month, um, again, was... I think right in the wheelhouse of even a small church can afford that. It might still be, feel a little bit expensive for them, but they definitely can afford it if they want that kind of quality content. And, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't overpriced. So, I mean, I, I've seen lots of um, lots of um, subscription services for, you know, digital content that are up into the hundreds of dollars. And it just, I always look at that and say, who's actually paying for that? Like I know there's a select few that have the money for that, but, Um, down that that number is, is definitely like the sweet spot.
0: Right. So it sounds like you're going more for like a, a a high volume of churches, not like the, the, maybe the mega churches out there that, that can afford, you know, a hundred thousand dollar license.
1: Oh, Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah, the the goal is um, the goal. Like there's also heart behind it too, right? Like it's not um, for me, like I, I do go to church myself and I, and I do have um, that relationship. Um, and so it is, um, there's also heart behind it, right? Like my goal was never like, how much money can I possibly make and how, you know, how can I squeeze, <laughs> squeeze this as much as possible? The goal was how can I get this into the hands of everyone? Well, making it a full-time job and a business that I can live off of, right? So there's always kind of that, um, that balance. And I think it's a healthy balance, Um, because absolutely there are there are churches out there that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on you know production because they do touring and they do concerts and they do big things. And I and I've talked to people um that have done custom design work for those for those places and they charge you know five thousand dollars a song, like to do custom graphics work um for these concerts and these stages. Like obviously there's that huge high-end premium market, but that's, you know, five to 10 churches, you know, across the world. Um, The goal was how, yeah, mass, like how do we get this into the hands of everyone? If they see value in it and they can see um, a need for it, then I want to be able to get it to them um, without there being kind of too much of a barrier with money.
0: Yeah, I mean, pricing is always tricky um, because a lot there's a lot of art to it. Besides just you know the math, and then there's also like you said, kind of the heart. That you have behind it, uh, you know. There's the number that maybe in the spreadsheet looks right, and then there's the number that maybe feels right, and, and sometimes it's hard to reconcile those two things. But uh, I guess just uh, still on the 25 a month, it sounds like that that was partially created as an anchor because you saw uh, other competitors charging around 15 or so, and you thought you were providing more value, so therefore 25 seemed reasonable. Was there any other kind of calculation that went into that? Like, for example, uh, how much money you need to make per year to make to be, to be full time? Anything like that?
1: yeah absolutely that was definitely part of the calculation um and kind of just projecting and you know setting goals for like how many you know members i'd want um to be kind of hit that mark where i would do it full time um you know it it put it not that far out when when i made the pricing change and um yeah i mean there was just there was so many little factors and like i like like a nice clean round number right like it was going to be you know 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, right? Like it, it just, it's an easy number to kind of put out there and not to end up with any kind of like 2799s or, or, or numbers like that, um, especially in the online world. It just makes it easier even just for creating graphics if you've got, you know, a nice clean number like that. And, and it definitely was the sweet spot because, you know, about six months after we did that, then our closest competitor Put their price right around the same point as well, so it's definitely kind of the spot we've kind of set the market for what that is now.
0: So, as far as so, since this is a, a recurring uh, service, right? People are either paying you monthly or annually. How? What do you do specifically? What are some tactics you have around uh, reducing the number of cancellations uh, and or you know refunds that uh, customers are requesting? What do you do for that?
1: Well, for sure, for refunds, um, I mean, we almost always um, we'll give refunds back. Um, uh, if there is, uh, there's a good reason for it really. Um, yeah, like, but every now and then, um, you get one in the the one in a million type person who, you know, pays for the service downloads as much as they possibly can. And then says, Oh, I want my money back. I didn't like it. And we will refuse at that point. If we can see that they've downloaded just as everything they possibly could. And they're trying to kind of trying to scam you a little bit. Um, but that, thats like oh, that's happened once every year, maybe. Um, as far as like you know, preventing preventing churn, um, <laughs> I, I don't have the perfect science for it. It is a struggle um, because you can't you can't save a customer if they're not telling you they have a problem with it. Um, often, like we we do have the the exit kind of survey to say like, hey, why are you canceling? Um, and then we kind of keep track of that to see if we're noticing any trends, but. Really, it's kind of it's a spray chart. Like it's all over the place between you know, no more budget, or um, or moving to a different service, or um, things like that. Like I mean, our churn is really low, and I, I every entrepreneur who runs an online business would love that to be zero. But it does happen. Um, but it's definitely one of the most frustrating things when you think you could have you know made that customer happy if you'd only known there was something wrong.
0: Right. So is there, I guess, is, do you have any uh, advice or, or any, any tactics you've implemented that sort of moved the needle on churn or is everything just kind of been marginally improving it?
1: Um, the, the biggest thing that I've learned about churn even the past couple of months is um, I just did a lot of online reading about crafting a properly worded email um, in response to, um, to like a cancellation, like trying to gain the customer back. I mean, you've got that lead. You've got that person who you know is willing to spend. So, um, in my like emails that now go out to them once they've canceled, I do offer you know a discounted for three months or even a full discount for the year if they want to come back. Um, and it's always like very nice and like polite and like sorry to have you go kind of thing. We like we definitely would love for you to come back anytime. Uh, please let us know if you have any questions. Um, and then the biggest thing, um, or like a secondary thing that's really helped with the churn is, um, getting messaging right on the website, like getting, um, we have the the Facebook messenger app on the website now, which has been really helpful because then we can get direct communication with people as they're having problems. So that's been really huge, uh, on, you know, solving frustrations for people. People will send a message and Hey, I'm having a problem with this. At least we get it now right away. And, you know, I mean, I, even if I'm out somewhere, you know, come in on my phone and I can, I can solve it.
0: Yeah. Having that, that live chat, that's something we have too in member space and it's definitely been a game changer. We, at first we were a little worried about doing it. We would already get too much support. Um, But it, you know, I I would say it's been just as much as if we had email Um, and and from a customer's perspective, it's so much better um, to just be able to just talk with somebody and given that it's 2018 and it really is something that a lot of websites are doing these days, it's almost a requirement uh, to have, to have live chats, what people kind of expect. Otherwise you kind of look like an old, an old company or a company that doesn't maybe care as much. I don't know if that's too aggressive.
1: No, no, that's, that's really true. And I mean, like, I mean, I'm a customer of, of yours and I've used that chat so many times and it's been really helpful. Like when you're first learning, like how to implement things onto your website, you sometimes have, like I had a lot of questions and you guys were great at responding and sometimes it was like oh you know i'm the dummy i just didn't <laughs> didn't do that properly and you guys were there you know within five ten minutes to kind of fix it um and that was huge that was huge for me like onboarding with you guys and figuring it out on this brand new website that i had built um it kept me like it built trust too just being able to like oh, okay if i ever do have a problem it's not like these guys are going to get back to me a week later, and you know, the entire week I've been down. Like, I can get this solved really fast.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you, but for for live chat, we've found that it's been a great source, not just of helping customers, but but selfishly for ourselves. As far as if there's a bug, if there's a, a user experience issue, if there's a typo somewhere, people let you know everything. And it's just it's a, it's kind of a way to have uh, QA testing, if you will, uh, for your website or your app by having live chat. We we, we found at least.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've messaged you guys many times about a little thing here or a little thing there and it's, you know, it's fixed right away and it's, it's been awesome. Right. So that's, that's been really, or even I just have a question about, you know, new features that might be coming out and how can I implement them? And it's, it's just a great way to kind of um, keep me as your customer, like engaged and like excited about what's going on too. Cause I can have that one-on-one conversation with you guys really easily and really fast. And like, I would much rather do that than have to like, you know, hit a contact form and send you guys an email and and not know when it's going to, you know, come back to me.
0: Yeah. That's just for, for people listening out there, it's one thing I'd, I'd strongly, strongly recommend is when you're first starting out, especially, um, to, to try to engage and and provide the best support you possibly can because that's really what's going to help grow your and get you initial traction and get you feedback from, from real customers about what what they like and don't like about your service or your product. Um, So don't, don't think of support as something that like, ugh, I guess I'll do that. It it should really be the number one priority, especially when you're first starting. Um, So yeah, James, let's, let's just kind of wrap up with, with one other question. Um, You know, Going forward, it's you know you've achieved uh, a certain level of success, uh, and congratulations on that so far. But what do you what are you planning to do to continue to grow and and to, and to keep finding new customers, or or are you actually okay with with your level and you're not looking to grow, you're just looking to maintain right now?
1: Always looking to grow. Like I mean, there's there is definitely room to grow um, based on our member size and like the size of the market. And so what we're just trying to do is constantly improve. The quality of the experience on the website, improve um, the quality of the content, and improve the amount of content um, we release. So, I mean, we've started adding um, basically new products and new layers to the website to make it more and more valuable. Because if and 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 we have zero plans to ever increase the price, but we want to make it more and more valuable so that people get more and more um, committed to it and excited about it and I mean, we've grown every single month for two years by at least 5%. Like that's the, that's the least we've done every month. So there's a reason for that. That's because we keep on adding, we keep on trying to be better. Like I don't ever want to get to a place where we're complacent, where we're like, ah, you know, we'll just throw something out there. And, you know, people will pay us for it. It doesn't really matter. No, like your goal is to always be kind of pushing, um, pushing forward, right? Like, there really is no end zone for this. It's just I want to keep you know marching down, right? Keep keep making a better product
0: and more value for customers. I think that's a pretty good universal goal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, and people do um, that. People do notice that. Like if people can pick up very quickly from your brand or even just the way you communicate with them, um, you know, kind of what your attitude is, and that's really. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. It's about attitudes, about being positive, and it's about being excited, and it's about trying new things and just never stopping adding. And that's what we're doing. We're just constantly adding. And if someone comes to us with an idea, um, we get people all the time on our messaging app. Like, we, we've we had in the past month, we've had this flurry of people from Germany Um messaging and they're asking for more editable options um, so they can change things into German because we've got some English all we've got English all over everything and so they're asking for content to be opened up a little bit so that they can change it um, to their to match more what's going on in Germany and like you have to be open to those ideas because I mean Germany's actually a very large country so there's it could be a whole new market opening up for us as opposed to just as opposed to just mainly in the US and in Canada so um, yeah, it's really just constantly being flexible. Like I think when, as an entrepreneur, when you first start out, you're always able, and it's easier to pivot um, and to be flexible and to like make quick changes. And I don't want to lose that as we grow larger and larger, and as I add um, more staff here, I don't want to lose the ability to you know be flexible. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, I think we'll we'll end it there. Thanks again for for taking the time. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks very much. The Member Maker Podcast has been brought to you by Memberspace, the software that helps you turn your audience into a membership business. You can learn more by visiting memberspace.com.